What it do? It's your favorite person. Probably not your favorite person, but you know, somebody you like to kick it with on Sundays. Your girl, Just Be Real. Welcome back for another episode of Just Be Real Podcast. We about to get real raw, but I got a very, very, very special guest on my podcast today. I got somebody what I could say, the realest is what I called him. It's my homeboy, my bro, my lifetime friend, Dion. Um, he's going to grace his presence on the podcast, and it's time for some testosterone on this, don't you think? Aren't y'all tired of hearing me talk? Well, enough of me chatting. Let's get real. And yo, what's up, y'all? I got my homeboy, my brother from another mother, Dion, here with me on the podcast. Ugh, it's an honor because y'all don't understand. I've known this man for like 14 years. We've been friends literally since freshman year of college. Like, I remember when we met on the plots, literally by the plots in front of Evers. <laughs> Like we all know what Evers is. It's a freshman dorm. And I think that was the first year they made the whole third floor co-ed um, all girls. So it was just wild. But he was always like, he always wore a smile. So like, how can you not say hi to somebody who wears a genuine smile? Like, like what? And he's always been Mr. 302. Like, I don't know him no outside of nothing else with Mr. 302. He goes hard for Delaware. So like, it, it is what it is. But he's also... You know, my brother in the Greek life, you know, Iota Phi Theta, one of my, you know, one of my favorite centaurs out here in these streets. I think he's my only favorite centaur in these streets, to be honest. And, you know, he's literally has been like one of my greatest guy friends. Like, I feel like every female is a great guy friend outside of your, who your partner is. But you need like a genuine platonic great guy friend. So Dion has always been that for me. It's amazing to watch him grow as a father. Now he has his junior, which he's always wanted, his junior. So, like, and he's a father of twins, too. So you can imagine what this man's life is on a regular basis. So, Dion, introduce yourself to the people. All right. Uh, first, yo, thank you. Like I said, we were talking. Thank you for having me. Not only am I a supporter, you are my fan. Uh, it's an honor for me to be on here. Like I'm a fan, hard fan. Proud to be part of season seven. You know? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> um. So yeah, okay. So introduction myself, my bad. Name me, Mr. Three O Two. You know, uh, proud brother by Yoda Five Theta Fraternity Incorporated. Period. Husband, father. Uh, I got twin girls. Uh, they're six. My son, my young boy, my junior, gonna be five in November. So I think I got triplets. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I'm just a. I'm just. I'm just a lover of people. I love people, but I hate people at the same time. We'll get into that. <laughs> but you know. Because we on the same wavelength with that one. Because we see each other with that one. <laughs> yeah. Right. He is a little different than a typical cancer. I ain't going to hold you. Yeah, we're going to get. I'm excited, yo. I'm excited. It's just dope. And I was like, when he told you he was a fan, I'm like, a fan of me, little old me, and my podcast? Like, what? Come on. Ain't no little old podcast. Ain't nothing little or old 
Period. You better say that. You better say that because we out here in these streets. We've been, we've been going two years strong. This ain't no, and we still ain't put the baton down. We still running this race. It's a marathon. We still out here. We still out here. And it, and it's literally something that most people started in the pandemic and they kind of dropped it once the world started opening back up. I've still been consistent with the podcast. Like, I can't, I feel like I would be remiss to do that disservice to not just my listeners, but to myself because I'm not a person that just starts something and doesn't finish. It's never been me. That, that I do. That's <laughs> never been me. You know, people always, they will say, I go, well, I got quality over quantity. You have quality and quantity. And that's very rare. Like, people can't have both. They always, it's quantity over quality over quantity. Or they got a lot of something, but it ain't really good. You got something that's great. And a lot of people know what's going to be. So, like I said, I'm a fan. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So I had to get Dion on because as he's already said, he's a father. You know, he is a husband. He's multifaceted. And the only person I feel I can have this real deep conversation about this topic is Dion. You know what I'm saying? So today's topic is called the teachings of transgenerational toxicity. I particularly wanted it a male figure, but somebody I was close enough with that wouldn't take offense, but would give constructive feedback and their insight on the topic. Because, you know, sometimes you have conversations with people and it's always a combative because it's like, are you bashing black men type of situation, which they feel it is with Amanda Seals. Like, you're a black man basher. She's like, how the fuck am I a black man basher when I lay with one every night? Like, make it make sense. Like, how do they coincide? So I'm like, you know what? If I bring on Dion, not saying it's a safe space, a safeguard, but it's somebody who understands my perspective and will be able to challenge me on an intellectual level to think outside of just my perspective. And if I ain't got that now where I am in life, why would I even have you as a guest on my podcast? Like, I don't need to have an argument. I need a, a healthy debate and for me to understand and step outside of self and vice versa. Right. <laughs> so trans, the teachers of transgenerational um, toxicity is something I've been dying to talk about because I feel like as we go through the days in this society, it's showing itself more and more and more. Absolutely. And mind you, I had this topic in my mind for season four. It's been literally tucked on vault. It's been tucked in the vault. Okay. It's been tucked. I'm like, nah, I gotta do it. It's not, it's not, you know how you be like, yeah, it's not, we're not ready for that yet. It's not, it's not time for that yet. We gotta, and I'm glad I let that joint simmer because between season four and now I'm like, nah, there's so much more that's, that's uncovered since I created this topic. Now let's unleash the Pandora out the box. It's about that time. It's about that time. So since we're in that space, how has your life changed since becoming a father? Because of course I met you. Simple teenage kid just living his best life, loving football, and just out here. Oh, <laughs> uh, so becoming a father uh, to me it means a lot more because I didn't want to be anything. The number one thing I wanted to be growing up was a father, and the reason being is because I grew up in foster care. So I grew up um, back when I was in foster care. Uh, you had to, you were only able to be in foster care for 18 years. Once you turned 18, that was it. Like, I spent my 18th birthday moving out of my foster home. Like, uh, that's what I, how I spent my July 1st, my 18th wow. birthday. That's how I spent my birthdays, moving out of my foster home. That's how I celebrated Um Now it's different. You get, like, board extensions. You can stay to the home till you're, like, 24, right. 25. 
or if the foster family wanted you to stay, you can stay. Back when I was and back in uh, 2008, that wasn't an option. You had wow. to get out whether the foster family said you could stay or not. So one thing that I wanted to do was make sure that when I became a father, that my kids would not be able to experience a, a millimeter, a hundredth, millionth percent of anything that I had to go through. Right. Um, I wanted to have children to give them, to, to have them, to give them the love and the support and the security right. that I felt like all children deserve. One thing about me is I live my life every day trying to be the person I wish I had growing up. Yes. <laughs> so everything that I do, I'll sit, I could be in a store, I have a 45 minute hour conversation with a stranger. I'll be walking on the block and I see a homeless person, you got a dollar? What's up? What's going on? Talk to me. And then we'll sit down, have a conversation. Not only would I give them the dollar that they asked for, but like, yo, what you hungry? Let's go get something to eat. Let's go get something to eat. I had, I had times where, and like if I wanted to, in today's day and age, I could go viral like every other weekend. But that's not what we do. Yeah, we don't do that. Acts that I do, but like I don't. That's not why I do it. So. I, I done got hotel rooms for homeless people. Like, I done, like, I, just so they can have somewhere warm to stay, right. nice bed to live in, uh, sleep in. So, ever since I became a father, I, I've learned what true love really is. I've learned what real sacrifice really is. Yep. I learned what putting someone before you and truly genuinely putting someone before you because growing up it was all about me everything i did was strictly for me to survive right so now somebody puts me off now i can't react the way that i make exactly because i got other people that are now depending on exactly me, depending on me. so i can't you know touch this person they face cut this person out and like i can't do that now because I got these little humans that are, I'm in charge of, of raising. And right. So, I will say, even the good, the bad, the ups, the downs, the times that my kids may annoy me, I love my children more than I love myself. But if you're around your kids 24-7, they're going to annoy you. That's just right. <laughs> <laughs> Any parent who says that their children they lying. are annoying them at one point, they're lying. Yes, they're lying. <laughs> But through all that, being a father has been a hundred percent upgrade, two hundred percent upgrade in my life. I feel that, and it's a, and I can see because you're a doting father. Like I see it on the gram. I'm like, yo, the difference with you that I seen with a lot of other fathers is it's not just I'm parading. It's just a parade for socials. Like you're real life active in your kid's <laughs> life. Like those are your little broke besties. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> And like I see it, like even from like the conversations you have with car rides, going to school, and picking them up, or like, oh, I'm taking my kids there, playing hooky for the day, and just hanging with dad. I just think that's so dope. (laughs) Right. I think that is so dope. So, like, because you said you wanted to be the person that you wanted to have back when you were a kid, what are you instilling in your son, particularly because that is your junior that wasn't instilled in you growing up? So, um. 
my son, like definitely a junior. That was my dream. Like, yo, I got You've been saying that since college. You wanted a you little me. Exactly. So, like my son, like I say, he's about to be five, but he's still nonverbal. Developmentally, he's not five. My son is maybe like two or three developmentally. Chronologically, he's about to be five. And so we're like, well, he's five year old. Why he da 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 da? Okay, let me rephrase that. Nobody that's close to me says anything like that. Right. But it's I the know ignorant what people. It happens in society that people are like, well, if he's five, how come he can't do this? How come he's not doing that? How come da 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 da? So, what I do instill in my son is independence. I instill in him um, being able to take care of himself. I instill in him being able to love his sisters and his mother the way that he's supposed to. Um, Me and him communicate, even like I say, he's nonverbal, but we communicate perfectly together. Like, he's a great nonverbal. He's made me do something I never thought that I would be able to do or even thought that I would need to do. I'm learning sign language now because that's how me and my son. Wow, that's dope. Yeah, so he's making me a better version of myself and he don't even realize. Right. So, um, but our bond, like, like I go pick my son up from school and he smiles and runs to me like that. Those, like, I feel like when a child is able to feel safe enough with you to come up to you yep. and cuddle with you to go to sleep, like you're the most vulnerable when you sleep. To be able to trust somebody like that, oh, that melts my heart. Like, and don't be wrong, he's a million percent a mama's boy. Don't get it to it. He's a million, <laughs> a million percent a mama's boy. Like, I'm not mad because I feel like every mom deserves a son. Right. And I deserve, and I think every father deserves, deserves a daughter. daughter. Exactly. Because those bonds are like unbreakable. But what I do instill in him also outside of that is discipline. People may look at you differently, but, and yes, I have to alter some things that I do between him and my daughters, 
gonna be able to use this as a crutch. You're not gonna be able exactly to use this as a as a disability. Um, and this also made me tap into another audience or um, group of people that I never thought. So I'm a big like I enjoy autism um, support groups. Um, I'm an, clearly an ally now of autism. Like and. It's not that I didn't care about them before, but now it's different because you have you're living it. Yeah. So, and I understand how far, how much that this certain communities, and we should know about un, underrepresented communities a lot. Exactly. But, <laughs> uh, I understand how much this community people just kind of brush them off. Oh, he bad. He bad. He, like grocery stores now. Before I had kids, and especially before I had my son. If I seen a kid acting crazy, I don't know, he need to be here. But now, because of my son, I'm like, he's probably having sensory overload right exactly. now. Exactly. The lights are too bright. The sounds are too much. Something as simple as the cart wheel being too squeaky. Right. So now, like, I go up to people to go, hey, you okay? Like, I understand. Like, you, you need a hand. Everybody, not everybody's receptive to it. They're like, oh, I'm good. I'm not to raise my kids. Sweetheart, that's not what I was saying. I trust right. I may understand what's going on. And I met a couple people like through that, like, oh yeah, well my son has autism, da 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 and I was like, I kind of I, I kind of figured because my son has it as well. And then we just exchanged info and met up on Facebook and they introduced me to this group. I introduced them to that group. So. But that's community though. But that's what's necessary. Yeah. That's what we need. We need more humane in humanity. We need more yeah. people being giving grace to those where you don't know the story. Don't judge a book by the chapter you walked in on. You don't know. And I've always been an ally for autism because my little cousin has been, I was raised with, was autist, is autistic. And I've always been so protective and defensive of him when people used to pick on him and want to fight. Now this nigga's like 6'7", so he be body slamming everybody else. I ain't got to worry about it. But like I just was like, leave him alone. Like Stop picking on him. And he always used to feel like he was unprotected because he was different. But when he, him and I growing up, he always felt comfortable with me because he's like, she understands. And he, you know, he's nonverbal. He doesn't say much. But even at 23 now, he's like, he's still receptive to me. He's probably like, I didn't forget them times when you were there when I was younger to be comforting. So it's like, it's big for me. And I'm, I'm very big on being an ally. Like Holly Rod is another mom I watch. Selena Johnson, I look at, I don't know if you know, but um, growing up with Lilac, you know, the her mom, Tammy, who raises her because she's autistic. And it's like, it's it's something, like you said, it's an under, it's, it's like we're not represented as much as we should. But if you look at Holly Rod's son, you know, RJ, he was autistic, but he's working for the, you know, the Dodgers as a baseball caddy. So he's like, my autism doesn't truly define or make me function. I just have a different way of thinking and how I move. But because it, like how you said, she's seen the signs. She caught it early. Tony Braxton's son, Diesel, he's a model and going to school at, you know, Morehouse. And he's well aware and functional. And he's like, I might be a little bit slower, but my autism doesn't define me. They just think differently. And, and it all depends. Like you say, it's a spectrum. Not every child is the same. But you have to give that grace. Exactly. Grace. But I think that's dope because your son being so, like, I feel like, yeah, every boy's a mama's boy, but I just think it's so dope that your son's like, I want to be up under dad too. Like, I want to, that's yeah, my, right. that's my, that's my security blanket. Right, right, right. Like, yo, like, all I got, he knows, like, I don't know, it's just like, he, he just know, like, you know, when me and him kicking it, having fun, but you also know when I'm like, yo, this is a serious moment, it's a serious time, and you need to straight 
cracking up. Like, I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Definitely. So if any of y'all are out there and are advocates of autism or, you know, anything, please show love. Shout out, you know, put put Dion on to some groups, some representation. And make let's make community let's let's put unity back in community and come together on some stuff like this. Come on now. Come on. Cause it's necessary. Cause we need it. We need it. And I feel like, especially in the times we're in now, like, we need to come together instead of just trying to disperse because nobody can do anything by themselves. Everybody at least needs some type of support system. Whether it's one person or several people, it takes a village. And I feel like when we were growing up, we had villages. And now it's kind of like they're kind of dispersing where they're not, like, parents just feel like, oh, I got this, I do it on my own. It's like you're trying to show your independence. But that's hyper-independence. So that's not really independence. You're over-exhorting yourself in spaces when you know you can't really fully handle it by yourself. So lend a hand and just say, hey, I don't got this. I need a little bit of help. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Exactly. You just got to be humble enough and modest enough in self. Exactly. But it's like, why is there so much pride? And I think it's, again, social media has brainwashed. Or even like we say with toxicity, our older generations have made it like whatever happens in your house stays in your house. What goes on in this business, you know, you got to keep it to yourself. Like not everybody need to know your business, but you don't know if your story might be helping somebody else. Like, that's why I'm doing this podcast. Because I've had people come to me like, yo, I was one girl one time came up to me and was like, I'm thinking about committing suicide and literally text my phone. And was like, Jess, I don't know. How how did you not think about suicidal thoughts? Like, what did it go through? And like, I knew because I was in that space how to not make them feel like, oh, don't do it. But like, talk to understand their perspective. Where's your mind coming from? What has you feeling this way? What's been going on lately that's having you overload to feel like that's the resort but do it in a way where it's not like you're interrogating them. Right, exactly, right. So it's like having that and wishing, that, like like you said, I wanted to be the person that I didn't have as a teenager for somebody else. Because I know how it feels to be misunderstood and feel like you're not seen and like you're invisible, but actually you matter. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, over what? Seven, eight billion people in the world? Nobody should ever feel like they're alone. Exactly. Ever. Like, Ever. And I know how, and then, you know, being raised as an only child, I know how it feels to have to be your own friend or be your own support. And I don't want, and I'm literally breaking the generational trauma of being hyper independent because it's literally toxic as hell. I don't want to be the strong black woman. My mom's like, oh yeah, I got to Like her friend passed away. She was like, her frat brother's like, oh, I got to be strong. I said, no, you don't. This is your, gen- this is your gentlelwoman face. Feel your feels. That was one of your really close. That was your best friend. You, that was your frat. That was your LB. Like you can't just act like it didn't happen yeah he would want you to be strong but he would also want you to mourn his death and have time to like grieve that because you lost somebody you've been friends with over 50 something years that's not something you just can get over i get it but i'm like you got to break out this strong woman stigma that you feel because black women are the only ones that are placed upon this break from that because that's not healthy break from it She's like, you always trying to use your therapy stuff i said yeah and therapy is the reason why because people like me go to therapy for people who don't like you Hello? <laughs> That's how I maneuver through. How you think I'm able to still manage to be your child? Because we be clashing heads sometimes. I'd be like, but you kind of understand because you haven't been to therapy. I got to go to learn how to deal with you and deal with you in a place where it's like, I'm not trying to change you, but I just got to accept you for you. Oh, talk to Because listen, you are old dog who ain't trying to learn no new tricks. So let me go ahead and break this cycle. Because this is toxic. This is real toxic. So speaking of mothers and daughters, what are you teaching your daughters that you feel is monumental for their growth? 
Oh, I'm raising two beautiful black queens in the making, you know? And one thing that, the biggest thing that I'm teaching them, especially in today's time, is acceptance of self. So, every day, like, um, right now, I'm in a space where any job I accept has to be in accordance with my kids' schedule. Right. So, like, I, I work overnight right now because it allows me to drop my kids off at school every day. It allows me to pick them up every day. And it allows me to, if the school needs to reach me in between that time, then I'm available. Right. So, every day on the way to school, we have a little mantra or a little saying. And it goes, I say, I say it and they repeat after me. So, it goes, I'm smart, daddy. I'm beautiful, daddy. I'm confident, daddy, and I love myself, daddy. Every and they have to repeat that back to me every day. The first time they say it, they just repeat it, and then I like, right, now say it louder, really mean it. And then I'm smart, daddy. I'm beautiful, daddy. Confident, daddy. I love myself, daddy. I love that. I'm teaching them to really understand who they are and love themselves, right? Accept themselves because everybody's not gonna be as nice as mommy and daddy. You're gonna run into some people, and they're like my kid, my girls are in first grade now. Um, That's the mean girl stage. They're gonna run, yeah. They're gonna run into some mean kids, and my kids—they're so sweet and so nice. Like I feel like they're too nice and too sweet because they're gonna run into some kids who are just mean, who are just outright mean. Just because they are sweet. Yeah, right. So I, I want them to be able to. Not necessarily defend themselves against that, but to know who they... When you know who you are, you ain't got to defend yourself against that. That part. That part. (laughs) Like, you you don't have to. So, I teach them the acceptance of self. I teach them to always be a friend. Like, the one of the questions I ask when I pick them up every day is, were you nice to somebody today? Were you a good friend today? Yes, affirmations. You don't know that school is sometimes, like for me and other kids, growing up now, school was the safest place we could possibly be at because our home life was that bad. You don't know what somebody's going through. So I make sure that my kids will always be that safe space for somebody if need be. Um, So I'm teaching them that it's in certain situations, it's a lot better to to give than to receive. Yep. And I want y'all to be able to give what is needed, and by and by doing that, you're going to receive everything that you need. Of course. <laughs> you're going to. So, um, and also with my kid, uh, my girls, I'm t- also teaching them the same, you know, discipline and like I, I can be a lot more. Uh, I can work with them in a different way than I can with my son. Right. So, uh, because we can have that verbal communication. So um, we're able to talk about, like, we process emotions. We process feelings. Right. Um, my kids and something, like you said, breaking toxicity, uh, toxicity of uh, transgenerational uh, curses is my children are, they know they have a million percent ability to ask me why. If I tell them to do something... Oh, yes. Talk about it. My kids are allowed to say, well, why, daddy? 
or why, why, or how come, or why, or what's this, or um, my kids feel comfortable, my girls feel comfortable coming to me, daddy, you made me upset, daddy, you made me sad, daddy, you made me cry. We could never go to hell a no. Like, you hurt my or you say why because I said so. What? Yes, like, and I tell like their grandparents they're not allowed to give that answer. Like, and I tell anybody, their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles, you're not allowed to tell my kids because I said so. My chip, this, these are the years where they're learning. Only thing that because I said so taught me was how not to get caught. Pretty so, much. If, if I tell my daughter, don't put your head on the stove, well, why? Because I said so, they're not learning. But if I tell them, don't put your head on the stove because they're going to burn your hand. And once you burn your hand, we got to put the ointment on there. We got to clean it, put the Band-Aid on. It's going to be really raw. It's going to hurt. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Right. But if I tell them, don't put your head on the stove because I said so, oh, daddy don't know what he's talking about. He's just trying to be controlling. All right, no. my We have, at six years old, me and my children have open dialogue back and forth about certain things and about everything. They have the ability to come to me and ask me a question about any and everything, and I give them a proper answer, not a, I'm the parent, I'm right. And that's where I feel our the our parents, which are probably the boomers, the silencer, messed up, because it's like a child's supposed to be seen and not heard. So you ask them why is this not a disrespect, because back in their day, a child's supposed to be seen and not heard. So what the hell are you asking me why for when I'm the adult? But the problem is, it's a sense of authority for them to conform. And even then, I feel like you say it's prime years when they get down the line and they ask somebody and they in a relationship, what you telling them is why? Because I said so. They're going to be the same as when their boyfriend say, well, I went out cheating. Well, why are you out cheating? Because I wanted to. Yes. Well, then now you already done fucked them up at five. Now they 25 in a toxic ass relationship getting their ass beat because somebody said so yes. and they think it's acceptable. Yes, right. And they're not, they haven't been taught to be out of like to be emotionally vulnerable. Yes, emotional vulnerable. Uh, Have emotional intelligence. Inquire, learn. Like, oh, you are so right. Like, you are so right. And it that's and it sucks. Know. And and that's why when people be like, Jess, you really ain't been in a relationship. I'm like, I want y'all to know this is by choice because I knew my inner child had a lot of work of stuff that happened in my past that I'm not trying to bring on baggage on somebody else. Like. I'm treating my next relationship like it's it's a jet on a runway. There's a maximum capacity. I can bring one carry-on luggage and one personal item. There's a 50-pound limit for my undercarriage. So if that shit goes over, the plane is going down. It's never taken off the runway. So why am I going to do that to myself? Let me take some things out and unpack. It might not be pretty, but I got to do it. Right, absolutely. Uh, one of my things I like to tell people, because I do a lot of like counseling, like people hit me up, like, I make myself available because once again, nobody should ever feel like they're alone. I know that feeling of feeling like you're alone. And one thing I tell people is that you can't be anything for anybody unless until you're something for yourself. That right so, there. How can you? And I actually did this, and it got me to a breaking point. And I know we're going to touch on this a little later, but <laughs> it got me to a breaking point. And um. And where I had to really evaluate myself and I'm telling people all this great stuff, but yet I'm not following it. So I can't be the rock. I can't be the strength. I can't be the dependency that you need. If I can't even, I'm not strong for me. I can't, I can't, I'm out here being everything that everybody else needs 
couldn't depend on myself. I couldn't trust myself. But I'm asking people to trust me and depend on me. And where's the contradiction in that? Oh, because you can't pour from an empty cup. So if my cup's not even full for me to pour from, what the hell are you getting from me? It's a bunch of nothing. Because there's nothing in the cup. Like, how does that work? And I and I feel you too, because that's the same thing. Like, I'm giving people great advice, and I had to step back because I'm trying to break down two weeks ago. I'm like, wait a minute, time out. I'm gonna take a step back from people in general, and I'm gonna see how many people come to me because I'm always the one checking in. I'm always the one asking how people's mental are. I'm always the one checking in and following up on the things they tell me, like if it's family stuff, like how's this going, what's going on with that. And I'm like, but Jessica, how often are people asking you? How's your mental? And they know that you've been para-suicidal. They know it's Suicide Awareness Prevention Month. They know your attachment to one of your close friends who committed suicide. Who's checking for you while you're checking for them? Because in reality, those you always hit in the first, as soon as, because they're so used to it, once you stop it, they're not going to hit you at all. And surprisingly, the last four weeks, there's some niggas I ain't heard from since my birthday, but I ain't surprised because if I don't contact you, you ain't got nothing for me, but you got all this love for me. You want to show it to the gram. And like I said on my last episode, don't love me in private and don't have the same energy in public. And don't love me in public to have a parade when you don't have the same energy in private. Keep KTSC, keep the same energy. Because if it's not consistent, trust me, you will feel my energy shift and I will remove myself like the G and lasagna, real silent. Oh, my bad. I forgot to tell you I cut you off. I forgot to tell you. You don't feel the shift. It's literally when when I look at Rosario, she's one of my favorite people to follow on the gram. And she's like, guess what today is? It's um, Follow Friday. And I literally do it where I'm like cleansing, like who's worthless? Who, who? And people take so much processing into social media. It's like it's toxic as hell because why is the unfollow more important than you than you having an interpersonal rapport with me off social media to know how I am in real life? Why does me not following on socials bother you as much as you not talking to me at all for four weeks at a time on my and you have my phone number? Right. Oh, man. Oh. So where's your priority and value on this scale? So now it's a red flag to me to know, oh, so you're one of the people that's really about this social media bullshit, the shit I'm trying to stray away from. Because my people, I check on, on them. I showed the love y'all see me show them in public for y'all to see. Trust and believe I give 10 times more energy in private, but that's not meant for y'all to know. Right. Right. And with that being said, that's a perfect segue. <laughs> perfect segue into... Uh, the realness, I was telling, and it's and it's perfect, you know, that you you are devastating. You're a real one, and with my mom passing away at early January 29th of this year, me and my mom, even though I grew up in foster care, when I became 18 years old, when I aged out, I had two options: either be worried about what happened in the past and lose a mother or what happened happened we can't change it period what i'm going to do is get the relationship that i want with my mother exactly (laughs) and um we move on from here so from 18 until now i was 31 at the time uh from 18 to 31 we have like my mom's my best friend. Like that was my girl, diamonds and pearls. Like period. Girl was biggest yeah, yeah. So when she passed away, I lost. It's like losing her again for a second time. Right. And it was so hard. And the genuine love that I received that I won't say no. I'm going to be honest. It was surprising. 
from. Mm. Um, but it was also eye-opening and revealing um, from the people that it came from as well. And I'm like, you, I want your listeners to know, like, yo, there was, I was lost for a bit. Like, I'm still, I'm still trying to cope with it. Right. Um, but the immediate love and affection that you showed me, um, and you're not, I'm, you're not one of the people that surprised me, clearly. Um, I was more surprised from the people who didn't reach out and everything, but the right. people who did reach out, I wasn't surprised that they reached out. But I'm talking about the constant communication, the constant uplift. Like, you don't, you may not know how important those scriptures that you sent me were. The constant, just, the, just having the, me being on your mind, knowing everything that you're going through, everything that you're doing with your life. Let me make sure that Dion's okay today. When you're not used to having, like, you, for me, you were for me what I am to everybody else. Oh, never you're about to make me cry. Oh, my God. So, for you to reach out for me, it was you and my LB Charles. Y'all two, y'all, you kept me like, yo, there's really not. In the beginning, it was popular. It was the end thing to do to check up on right. teenage kids because their mom just died. But when it became two months later, three months later, four months later, and y'all were still the only, you were still checking in on me, yo, I love you. I just want to make sure that you're okay. Where's your mental at? Yeah. You sent me this word. And and every word that you sent me, I'm not saying it's just because we're here. I'm saying it because it's real. It's exactly what I needed to hear for that day. And thank you. Because oh, you don't know how much that held me and kept me together. Like seriously, and I will always, I will, I will always love you. Oh. That put me into like, yo. You already know that I told you before. I already know. Is rated E for everybody. Period. So anybody ever come at you crazy? They got. They not just dealing with you. Right. They dealing with me. <laughs> they dealing with all the other ones that's in your corner. But yo, I love you for. Showing me the love that I didn't know that I could get without providing something to somebody. Right. You gave me real genuine love and care and compassion and empathy that I didn't know existed unless I provided a service to somebody. Right. So thank you. I oh my God. I want y'all to know he has me over here crying. Like, because <laughs> if y'all haven't realized, I'm an empath. So I feel and I'm very emotional. Like, I, I, y'all don't get it probably because y'all don't know me like that in real life, but I'm a very <laughs> sensitive person. So it's just, I've, because I just feel like, even with us as friends, like, I've always called you my brother from another. So I've yeah. always felt like you were like a big brother. So I'm like, well, I got to check on my big brother. Like, and, and my part is when somebody's on my mind, I don't ignore it. There's a reason that person's on my mind. I may not not know, but it's like whatever I'm supposed to be used as a vessel, I'm going to do my due diligence because there's a reason this person's popping up randomly. There's a reason why I feel like I want to check in because that's hard. And I knew how close you were with your mom. And I feel like when people step outside themselves and literally put themselves in other people's shoes, like I know the relationship you and your mom were building and how close y'all came over the years from the conversation we had when we first met and we were just unpacking each other's lives. And I'm like, yo, this is a hard hitter. And I don't know how it feels to lose a mom, but I can imagine, especially building and how much she means to him and how close they're, how, how that can be to just have your best friend here one day and gone the next. And it's just like, it's not easy. It can't be easy. 
And I watched my mother have to deal with it. So it's like I kind of seen it from a different lens. So it's like I want to be here as, as much as I possibly can for my friend to know I'm here. I'm here if you need me. I received it loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like since we're into that space, like why do you feel that there's a stigma that men don't cry? Because even in that moment, I'm pretty sure people are like, yeah, stay strong, bro. You got this. And it's like, I don't want to be strong. Let me have my moment of vulnerability. Right. And I think I told you that too. I think I told you that too. Like, cry if you have to cry. Feel whatever you want to feel. Yes, you did. And I, because of you, and this is real, because of you, I, I absolutely did allow myself to feel. Um, but I feel like as black men, especially, we're told that we can't cry. One's going to be a sign of weakness. And uh, black men are not supposed to be weak because we're supposed to be protectors. We're supposed to be providers. Even if you, uh, anybody that's listening to this, even um, the Greek life, the whole <laughs> emphasis of the whole emphasis of a Greek, the whole emphasis. He of just a Greek. he just threw in the flag and just said, "I ain't holding no balls on this one." <laughs> Depending on how menacing and how fearsome your grit was, that determine whether you were broken up from your family or not. That depended on, that, that dictated as um, slave owners thought of wanting to separate this strong male from his wife and his kids. The weaker your grit, the easier it was to break your family up. Right. So I feel as though that we're told we can't cry, show emotions or anything because we're weak and if we're weak, we can't protect and we can't protect. What is a, who's a man if he can't protect the ones he care and love about? Who's a man if he can't provide for the ones that he care about? Who's a man that allows harm and misfortune to come to his family? So crying was always taught to, was always preached to us as a bad thing. And what that ends up doing to us as especially men, what Little black boys are already hyper energetic. Little boys are already energetic. Especially little black boys are already hyper energetic. We're, we have a lot of energy. We have a lot of testosterone. We got a lot of stuff we got to get off our chest. Now you're telling us to literally hide a part of ourselves and keep it from everybody. So on top of the natural energy and everything that we have, you're now telling us that we have to suppress a part of us inside of us. Well, as anybody knows, a balloon can only be filled with so much. Oh, you better preach! So much, then eventually, everything that's inside is it's going to pop. Come out. Yep. And then when it does, we're looked at as angry. Mm -hmm. We're looked at as undisciplined. We're looking. We're looked at as dangerous. We're looked at as thugs. We are. We are now releasing emotions that we were never taught to deal with. We're now releasing a part of ourselves that has been hidden for years that we we didn't even know existed. Right. So basically, so we try our hardest to make sure that we are who society says we need to be. Right. Like any little boy, what are you supposed to do? I'm supposed to protect my mom. I'm supposed to protect my little sister. I'm supposed to protect my niece. Like that's what. I can't do that because crying is looked at as weak. Crying is one of the most beneficial. Ooh, talk about it. The most uh, stress relieving. One of the 
most decompressing things that a human being can do because them tears can say everything that you can. Them tears can get rid of everything that a weight that a gym can, that going to go play basketball or football can, that smoking or drinking can. Them tears can say and do all that. Um, and I had to learn that. It took from my mother passing for me to understand that. At 31 years old, it took for my mother to pass away for me to understand that crying and having the support of you and my LB uh, letting me know that it is okay for me to cry. I didn't even want to cry in front of my kids. I didn't want my kids looking at me crazy. Like, what's wrong with daddy? Why daddy crying? Or oh, daddy hurt? Was Yes. And it's okay to be hurt. Right. It's okay to not be okay. Because that teaches them compassion to know. Yes. And they look at me as a superhero I, all the time. Daddy, you so strong. Daddy, you this. I'm daddy. When I grow up, I want to be strong like you. Oh, snap. Daddy cries. Daddy feels. Daddy understands. What Daddy's human. Daddy is human. <laughs> so I'm your Superman. But remember, there's a man and that's right after that super. Yes. yes. I'm still human. And I feel like that's that's important because I feel like black men get the opposite of black women. Like black women are supposed to be strong and you're not supposed to be vulnerable or you're not you're supposed to be delicate or whatever, but it's like how do you, it's a contradiction on both ends. You want a black man to be strong but you don't want him to cry. You want a black woman to be able to be vulnerable but you don't want her to be independent. So, how do we come to breaking this transgenerational toxicity of this trauma fiat? I feel like it has to be a stigma or a set precedent of how a person's supposed to be, but only we're putting these standards on ourselves of this ideology. Yes. You ain't seen no Jewish person telling them you can't be vulnerable. You ain't seen like you don't see this coming in Asian communities. So, and then you have like you said that same angry little boy again. We're gonna take it to the future. You be getting to relationships where you're abusive to your girlfriend. You have you know toxic ways where you're cursing her out and disrespecting her, thinking it's okay because you never released that energy, or you out here cheating twenty four seven because you're trying to fill a void that can't be filled because it has to do with your own past traumas. Yes. So that same little boy you told not to cry won't be opened up and has a gated wall against his girlfriend where he's a womanizer now and got several different women and still feeling empty. Yes. Welcome to reality. Welcome to reality. Hold your emotions in. Don't express yourself. And then when you get in a relationship, you don't open up to me. You don't know how to talk to me. You don't know how to communicate. Speak or be, like you said earlier, just to be seen but not heard. So exactly. Now, um, there's this woman asking me to open up, be vulnerable, communicate, and let her know exactly what's going on with me. Where we're preach, pretty much we're taught that only emotion we're supposed to show is happiness. Joy no, go through their life <laughs> happy and joyous all the time. No, because trials are what trials are what allow you to be stronger. Like you can't go through life. Not having life have adversity. Because how do you learn to adapt? Exactly. Exactly. How do you learn to be able to coexist with other humans who go through their own... And I always say, like, everybody has their story. Like, when you think about even these public figures, their stories are not from the time we got the spotlight on them. They have past stories that we know nothing about if we never grew up with them or never in the household. So don't think because of the image that you see on social media is exactly who they've always been because that's not the case. And even still, that's a facade. Yes. So it's like stop feeding into this social media bullshit because it's a lot. 
It's what they post to be, not what they're supposed to be. So don't let it all go over your head. So don't let it go over your head. I'm just saying. It's what they supposed to be, not what they supposed to be. Because everybody's so quick to post their successes, but what about your failures? You not showing the failures at the time when you went ahead and you was grinding and was in a, a 10 foot, you know, you was working out your, your, your apartment trying to make rent and was literally on your last end while you're going through it. You're waiting till you get to that successful point to be able to talk about the struggle. But how imperative is it then when you're not matching the people where they're at at that moment unless somebody know right then and there, I'm struggling. You're not alone. That's what I do on my podcast regularly. Yeah, I'm going through some shit. When I was unemployed, I'm like, yo, I'm unemployed. I'm still not going to let this stop because this is my therapy. I ain't have to share it to the world, but I know I'm not the only one out there experiencing it. And then just and then now when this, the, the, the victory comes, well, damn, Jess was transparent. And look at look at where she at now. We was in the struggle with her. She wasn't trying to hide nothing. Right, right, right. Oh, man. And then the beauty of your and the perfect just be real. like oh, Exactly. Just be real. Like, and people don't get it. And literally, just is an acronym. Just, just expressing self-satisfaction. Because I'm literally getting to the space of self accepting myself for who I am. Just expressing self-satisfaction while being real. That's literally what just be real means. That's why I'm a fan. <laughs> That's it. I'm just I love you too, but I'm just like people are like really I thought Jess was just your name. I'm like, no, if you ever realize Jess is capitalized because it literally stands for just expressing yeah. self-satisfaction while being real. Like that's yeah. just be real. Like just be real about it. Because only people are gonna relate is to the real you. They can relate yeah. to the fake you, but if the real you is not something that you're getting off the bat, you're gonna constantly have to play a puppet in your own show. And that putting on this show, this facade, this character, acting every day that you got to leave your crib because that's what's expected of you. That is draining, self-demoralizing. What? And it's like, I can't keep fighting. Like, when I told my friends two weeks ago, I'm like, y'all, I'm not in a good mental space. Don't take it personal. I'm just, I'm just not here. And I don't know what it is. I don't need, I don't really need the assistance. It's just time for me to just sit still and be in self for me to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Just send motivation and encouragement, but don't take it personal if I don't respond. Because right. I need to figure out what's going on with me because it's not nothing y'all can help me with. So it's time for me to just sit in it. Mm-hmm. And some people don't understand it, but I'm like, this is what I learned in therapy. Like everybody can't help with everything and everybody's not supposed to know what goes on with your life. Because some are praying for you while and others are praying on you. So you got to be mindful of who's doing what type of pray. Because one has an A and one has an E. Yes. Uh-huh. So, and the A for me stands for asinine, while the E stands for me stands for energy. So your energy, you're trying to pray on my energy and my downfall. You know, you're trying to assess the situation when you got the A to try to make sure you can be the best person possible to help me, where, to meet me where I need to be met, where you're not giving me advice that works for you, but advice that works best for me because you understand me. Mm. Yeah, talk to... Woo! Yes! Because we have a tendency to do that too. Like, we give advice to people, but you can't give them to us if you're giving advice to yourself. You got to give it to where they're at and understand the person who you're talking to. Like, my homegirls come to me about advice all the time because I don't give them blanketed advice. I give them advice that works for who they are and how they would do something in a situation. 
I don't do it as if it's me because my ass be quick to cut a motherfucker off. I don't got time. But I know you have more grace and patience where you don't just walk away from things. So I'm going to say, well, where do you feel? I'm going to make you analyze it yourself. Where do you feel that this benefits you? What are some cons to this situation? How is this making you feel in the current moment where you feel like right now is why you're feeling how you're feeling? When you answer those questions for self, they come to their own epiphany. I don't even got to say shit. Because now I'm thinking like you, where I'm asking the questions you're really asking yourself, but it's just me because now I'm just being a reflection where it's like, well, damn, if I'm asking it, she asking it. Clearly, I know the answer. But that also ties into, too, like, most of the time, boys are mom, Like you said, boys are mama's boys and girls are daddy's girls. Why do you feel like it makes the common cliche still relevant? Like, yeah, like how you say you have a bond with your son and, yeah, he's a full mama's boy. But, like, I feel like both parents have very influential parts on kids in general. Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell anybody very quickly, uh, there's a stigma or... There's a perception that one doesn't need the other to be a successful parent or to raise their child successfully. No. I I tell my wife um, and I tell my kids all the time that (laughs) you need me and I need you. There's things that there's things that I bring to this table that you physically can't bring or that you emotionally can't bring. And there's right. things that you bring that I can't physically or emotionally bring. Um, that stigma is so relevant today still because one, uh, and the title of this is beautiful, people don't want to break that transgenerational toxicity. Um, I feel as though that mama's boys and daddy's girls came from a point in time where the one sex was looking for something that they didn't get in the other, um, that they didn't get from their parents. So, for instance, a son, they say sons look for their mothers. Um, That's one or two reasons. One, because the son had a very great mother and understands how he's supposed to be treated or two they're literally looking for their mother because they never had that relationship with their mother and they're looking for a woman to take care of them to provide mm. them, to make them you better safe. preach oedipus complex oedipus complex at its finest talk to them and vice versa with the daughters period like my daughter, the standard that my daughters are going to hold men to is going to be so, like, you're not going to be able to impress my girls with no damn red lobster. You're not going to be able to impress my daughters with something as simple as being polite or opening a door. Right. That is the, literally the bare minimum. Like, right now they're at the age where if I open the door, the car door for them or something, daddy, I can open it or whatever, but they're going to be so used to little things like that. Right. That is normal. That's, That's not, not going to be a shocker. Yes. Or, Let's go. They're not the type of kids that only eat like, even though it's their favorite, but they're not those type of kids that only eat like cheeseburgers and chicken nuggets. So the first time red lobster or something thrown at them, some seafood or something, it's still food just like the cheeseburger and chicken. You have to, the things that you're going to have to 
bring to the table is not going to be materialistic. And I want them to know that they're enough. It will be it, it will be nice to have somebody to compliment you. Exactly. You complete by yourself. Woo! You better say that. You better <laughs> say that. Compliment what you already have. Work together. You are not broken. You are not missing anything. You are a whole human. You are complete. You are your own woman. You're your own person. It would be nice to bring somebody in that could compliment everything that you have. Right. You don't ever go out here searching for anything to complete you. And that's major, especially coming from a father, because you know a father's a daughter's first love. So what they see as their father and how their father treats them, there's either two ways. There's promiscuity or there's a level up. And I was fortunate because my dad wasn't fully active in my life, but I seen how my dad was. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that girl that's trying to find love. I want to find a love within self and realize that's not what I want in a man and have somebody be better than what my father was. So like not every girl has that mindset, though. Right. So there's like one of few that's like, I'm going to get the opposite. I don't want that. Yes, right, exactly. And it's, uh, I just wish that if we got to the point where I personally know mothers and fathers that are competing with each other. I'm going to be a better father than you are a mother instead of being the father that my children need or a mother that my children need. They're right. trying to outdo each other. And I just feel as though, like, if we understood, like I said, we do need each other. It's not, no, I'm right. just by myself. And no, you. it is possible to do it by yourself, but you're not supposed to. Right. You didn't have them by yourself. Right. You better say that again. You didn't have them by yourself. Yes, you did not. You are not married. You didn't have immaculate conception. <laughs> it took two to tango. Do the horizontal tango, and here we are. <laughs> All that matters. Right. And we, we, we need to get back to the point where we need to 
households again. No, seriously. Because I feel like now, like how you said, most mothers smother their sons to where, like, like you said, they expect a woman to do everything their mother does, and like rather yeah. than rather than just be a wife because she's not your mother. So, like, why do you feel boys are nurtured? Meanwhile, females are taught to just live by nature because you don't get that with females. Like, mothers are trying to get their daughters out the house and like go get married and find you a man, but it's like you're supposed to tend to him, you're supposed to have home cooked meals, and it's like, no, I have my own life and identity outside of this man before I met him. Why do I have to sacrifice me and he just gets to be him? I feel like, and that's that's beautiful, and I feel like it comes down to pretty much of a reflection. Well, let me rephrase this. Boys are nurtured because they're not supposed to technically feel no pain. They're not supposed to feel no sadness. Everything is supposed to be happiness. Everything's supposed to be joy. Everything's supposed to be good. There's supposed to be no overall, no bad. So anytime that a woman is around a man and they feel like that this man is mad or upset or sad, they then go dive into themselves. But well, what am I doing wrong? Right. It's not you, baby girls. It has nothing to do with you. Women are not uh, nurtured. They're told to go out and, you know, be their nature because if their nature is a natural nurturer. Right. So we need you to go out and find a man who's mad, sad, upset and make him happy Woo! and good. And, and heal his ass. And heal. And that is not their job. Now, I'm not saying to give up on a person that's not healed or that's not fully good, but it is not your job to go out and find this boy, make him a man, um, or find this... No, you're a boy. Because if you're not to the point where age don't make you a man... Woo, say um, it. doesn't make you grown. <laughs> age, uh, age just means, you know, you're getting up there chronologically. <laughs> but your experiences, your life experience, and the way you deal with those experiences. I know I was grown. I've been grown ever since I was seven, eight years old. I was working, going to gas stations. Can I pump your gas for a dollar? Going to grocery stores. Can I help you carry your groceries to the uh, to your car for a dollar? I was providing for my family when I was seven, eight years old. I'd be outside all day. I come home like you know, this is back in the nineties. So I come home. With like a hundred, hundred fifty dollars, because I've been literally out there from six in the morning to about ten, eleven at night, working at seven, eight years old. So, and I know forty-year-old people who aren't grown. I know forty-five-year-old people who aren't grown. Oh, so you've been talking so, to my sisters? Cause... That whole nature nurture thing is unfair, mainly to the. It's it's a setup for both. It's a setup for a man to think that everything's supposed to go good, everything's supposed to be well. And then when shit hits the fan, they don't know how to react. They don't know how to take control. That part. It's not fair to the woman because when shit does go wrong, oh, if this man's not happy, it's your fault. What are you not doing? Right. What's going on with you? Right. That's not fair. Right. So what do you feel is the most toxic generational trait that have been passed down from generation to generation? Or even it could be traits because I feel like 
there's several of them out there, and that's one of them. That whole nature to nurture thing with boys and girls, that's definitely one. And I also feel that what happens in this house stays in the house is another thing, too, is that that's not good because if something's happening in this house and I'm taking it into the outside world because of my actions, of my reactions from your actions in this household, it now becomes the world's problem because now I'm a problem to society. Exactly. And you're really now a menace to society. It gotta be PC. It gotta be PC, politically correct. I feel like kids being seen and not heard is not yes, is another one. Because kids have their own emotional intelligence that you can't just sit here and disregard it as if they don't have feelings. another one and there's these are things i've just taken note of over the years you have to respect your elders well i'm grown now i'm grown and i get that you're older but like you said age is just a chronological thing but mentally you're so that same childish ass 25 year old bitch back in the 60s who was bitter and mad and you have no sense of self because you were just out here fucking and sucking tom dick and harry and you just feel like somebody owes you some respect no, because you don't respect yourself, but you want me to respect you, but you don't respect yourself. But you want me to respect you because you're older, but your own husband disrespects the fuck out of you while he coming in different hours of the night. So make it make sense. Why should I respect you when he don't? And he your age. Talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. But you think because you got seniority, it's automatic deference. But what people always forget, even in Greek world, when it comes to deference, deference is not just you showing respect to the elders. It's a, a mutual conscious respect. Because in order to get respect, you have to give respect. But you have to respect my mindset and where I'm at, my, uh, you know, with my perspective as much as I do you. Because what you're saying is not right because times change and I'm part of the changing times. So what you was doing in back in the 70s on this yard is not going to work in 2022. Not at all. Not at all. And what we're doing now in 2022 didn't work back in the 70s. But the difference that people forget about deference is you got to know from whence you came in order to know where you're going. So if you don't know what was going on before... You can't progress to be better in the future for deference to still be in effect because it's a forever learning process. I feel like, especially in Greek life, nobody knows everything. So you can always be taught something new. But if you're constantly stuck in the mindset of being narrow-minded because you're older and this is how things are done when you were on the yard, how are you going to ever be able to understand and have a real sisterhood or a bond with younger sores to teach them or teach them the right way to be or how to be able to learn in the process if you're constantly cutting them down? That's the same thing when it comes to kids. A deference. Yeah, you want your kids to respect you, but you got to give them the same respect that they have emotion, that, that they have feelings. Because then they're going to be out in the world just disrespecting whatever because it's like, well, nobody respecting my feelings, so now I'm going to just, you know, 
wreak havoc on the world. I'm going to just do whatever. So that's something I hate. My mom be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm your mother. I'm going to always be your mother. I said, yeah. And I always have to tell her, I'm your child, not a child. There's a difference. Because the same way you got bills due on the first, I do too. The same way I got to manage this adulting and this ghetto hood that I never asked to be in. So the way you do, I got to do the same. But the difference is I'm never going to sit here and act like I ain't out here trying to adult at the best way possible. But you also got to remember I'm your child, but I'm not a child. I'm 32. I'm grown. Right. Grown, grown. Grown, grown to the point I left your house in 08 and ain't been back since. So we're grown, grown over here. We've been having bills on our name. We bought cars on our own name. We was putting down payments on our own. We're grown out here. Bills are not even in your name. They in mine. Like, I've never had a bill in your name. Like, let's never like, act like we're not grown. So if you want to talk, I said, and I told my mother, my mother was like, oh, yeah, but I'm an adult. And I'm like, and this is when I hit her too. Like, just because chronologically you're older, but when it comes to life experience, I'm advanced. I'm, I'm, I'm 100. I'm older than you. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, have you ever been raped? No. Have you ever been molested? No. Have you ever had been in an abusive relationship where you had to literally be physically and mentally abused and still pull yourself out and still be able to love people unconditionally with no, no condition merited and feel like you have to project all that negative energy just to be able to maneuver through the world? She's like, no. I said, so exactly. Your life and my life, we took two different paths. So when it comes to being able to be compassionate, have be have empathy, be considerate of others' feelings and emotions, giving grace, giving time, we're not on the same level. Respecting boundaries, you never taught that. So now when I enforce them, it's an issue because you find it a disrespect because it's not something where you don't like how I'm implementing it on you. Cause what, but that's the thing too. Weren't you the same parent that told me, don't let anybody ever disrespect you? You never said you weren't a part of the everybody else. Don't be selective. Don't be selective. My mom be like, and that's why I can't stand you such a smart ass. I said, no, you're mad because your words are now biting you in the ass. So you don't like it when I'm putting you in check and I'm enforcing my boundaries with you. But I'm supposed to enforce them with everybody else. When she's like, when somebody hit you, hit them back, right? That's what you used to tell me, right? So my mother's like, well, I said, so when you hit me emotionally, I'm going to hit you back with my boundary, which means I'm going to build. My mom be like, what? I said, she said something crazy. I'm like, okay, conversation was nice. Talk to you later. I'm hanging up the phone now. She's like, what you going to hang up? Yeah, I'm going to hang up, but I'm your mother and, and I'm me, and you're literally crossing a boundary and you're disrespecting me. And I, because you are my mother, I'm trying to respect you, so I'm getting off this phone. You just so dramatic. It's dramatic because you were never given that opportunity to be vocal. You were never put in a space to be comfortable enough to know your self-worth to make sure that boundaries were instilled for everybody. It was an even playing field. There was equity across the board. Why? Because black people never had equity. We've always had to do a one-up where we're going through 10,000 jumps, hoops, and loops to get to the finish line where it's not a smooth breeze. So you used to having to have trial and tragedy over triumph when I'm not trying to have none of that. Just give me the triumph. Yes. Oh, oh, and that right there is a great segue too. I hate when I talk to parents and they're like, well, I had to do this so my kid go, no. Like, people find it weird that parents don't, some parents don't want their kids to struggle. I had to struggle. My kids will never, ever have to, I don't care if they have to come back and move in and live with me 30 times. They don't have to, 
they're not getting kicked out when they're 18 because they're not going to if they're not ready i'm going to try my best to make sure that they're ready whenever they want but realistically speaking they're not going to be ready to go out at 18 i wasn't ready to go out at 18 i wasn't ready to go out at 25 my kids are going to be able our counterparts they get to have whole families right life, multiple children live in their parents house so they're 30 35 years old then when they move out their credit is a one they're able to not move out to an apartment. They're able to get a four or five bedroom house. They got the down payments down. Like, my kids are not going to have to go through what kids in our generation had to go through. Oh, and then, oh, you live here. You're grown. Uh, you need to start paying bills and da 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 da. Now, this is the debate I have all the time. If I do make them pay bills, if I do, which I really don't think I am because I'm probably soft like that. <laughs> <laughs> That part. Know this, but if they've been paying a hundred dollars for the light bill or fifty dollars, whatever, I'm putting that. I'm not really putting it towards the light bill. Generational wealth. Yes. Generational wealth. Oh, here go three hundred thousand dollars for it. Period. And you know what's funny that you say that because people be like, oh, I don't want my kid to struggle. But then I know for me, I wasn't given a silver spoon, but I didn't have a wooden one either. So I would came into generational wealth. Like my mom had insurance policies out since I was a baby. My aunt, you know, beneficiaries. She had trust funds. She had all of this where money was invested for me to have generational wealth, for property to be in my name, to have, you know, my freshman year of college, my grandmother paid out of pocket. So it's like... So my friends are like, oh my God, you're 32, you're so spoiled. Did it? I said, just say that you're mad because your parents are not financially stable to help you out. Because the whole eight months I was unemployed, my aunt and my mother paid my rent. I was getting a $4,000 stipend a month from both of them to pay my bills, to still stay home. But why are you mad at me? Because my family was smart enough to have generational wealth for situations when an emergency happens. Yes, right. They don't want me to struggle. So why are you mad? Because you're doing the exact same thing for your future. So what is the problem? Right. And I'll never understand. We're our, we're our own worst enemy. And I, and it'll never make sense to me. They're like, oh my gosh, yes, you're so spoiled. I'm like, no, it's really your projection because you're mad. Your parents are not financially stable to do the same. Just say that. That's what it really is. Right. You're right. mad because if it was you in a situation, you would have had to go back home. You wouldn't have been able to still live in your apartment. You wouldn't still have half of what you already worked for. Right. Don't be mad at me because I'm blessed and fortunate to have a family who's been financially sound and stable and was building for me for situations just in case an emergency happened. Outside of me having to use my own money. Right. Talk to But I don't get it. But this, this comes to my last question. I feel this is important and this is the most important question to me. How can we listen to you as black men and know that advocacy will be returned for us as black women? Because I feel like that's the real core of transitional toxicity because I don't remember what I was watching, but I think I was watching a documentary on HBO Max and she went to visit a, a jail in Ghana that's still up. And you could they had a room for, for women and they had a room for men and you could still see the scratch marks of men fighting slave owners that were just coming in back on the t when they were on the slave blocks trying to fight for black women who were trying to be sold to you know these europeans and it was crazy because black men were demised and it was looking like they were weak because they were crying and fighting for these women but it's like black women felt like they had a stand of their own because a black man wasn't doing enough but it was like how much can he really do when his foot is on his neck too so it's like i feel like how can we advocate for each other to break these cycles 
I know, I think that one thing people say all the time is that communication is key, and I would like to come back with that saying, not communi-comprehension. I was, you better get out of my head. <laughs> Comprehension is key. I can talk to you all day, but if you don't hear what I'm saying or don't understand what I'm saying, then all that communication was for nothing. Exactly. The thing that I like to do when I talk to people is, tell me what you heard. And then they'll say, well, you said da 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 No, it's not what I said. Let's go again. Or I'll say, or when I'm talking to somebody, I like to repeat, this is what I heard. I, if I'm, or I'll say, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying exactly. da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. They're like, I said this, this, but not that. Or no, I didn't say anything like that, Dion. Were you just listening to me? Let's go. I'm like, oh, I misunderstood you. Let's go again. So... I feel like when it comes to us being able to advocate for one another, communicate, yes, comprehend is better. We need to know what each other is saying and understand what each other is saying because uh, one thing with me that I believe, and I don't like, I don't push my beliefs on anybody, but I just say what I believe and then you say what you believe and then we have a conversation, but perception is everything. Mm-hmm. Perception is everything. Perception One's perception is one's reality. Woo! If I if I come to you and say, "Yo, you 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 fucking stink, yo," <laughs> <laughs> if it, it doesn't matter what my intention was. If you perceive that I disrespected you, you now feel disrespected. Exactly. Just because my intention was not my intention was to let you know that you don't smell the best and you probably need to go get yourself clean. <laughs> Right. You felt disrespected, and you felt disrespected at that word, at the hand of me. Right. I need to rectify that. Right. But we've gotten to a point where, well, I didn't know I wasn't trying to disrespect you. So if you felt disrespected, you know, blah, blah, blah. no. I the, when people apologize or say they're sorry, it doesn't mean you're wrong. I really, I if I ever disrespect somebody unintentionally. I would truly apologize because I did not mean for you to be disrespectful what I said. Right. I'm not apologizing for what I said. No, because you stink. So I'm not apologizing for that. What I'm apologizing for is that you felt that I came to you in a disrespectful manner right. because that is not my intention at all. Right. So when it comes to us advocating for one another, we got to be able to understand one another and understand that we need one another. That and part. Communicating, like I said, is not enough. We got to, comprehension is where it comes in at. And we need to know that their biggest, our counterpart's biggest fear is a strong black family. Period. That's why black women can get a lot more assistance if they're single than they are if they're married. Yo, I was going to bring that up, but I was not going to step into that realm of territory when it comes to government assistance. Because there's a pipeline, there's a prison of... There's a prison to pipeline situation that's a problem. Absolutely. There's a reason why little black boys would be being diagnosed such at early ages with ADHD, OD. What the fuck is opposition defiance disorder? That's no. That's not no. He doesn't listen to authority. No child listens to authority. And then the thing is when the black father who is put in prison comes out and the mother's getting government assistance, he can't live with house other take away the assistance. Exactly. Oh, wait, you want to put your 
Oh hell no. Give us all, even though nothing else changed except that you want to put your family back together. Your financial situation ain't changed. Uh, your child situation ain't changed. Their expenses didn't change. None of that changed. Only thing that changed is now you want your father of your children to come live with you. We can't have that. And on top of that, the fact that he's coming out with a record, it's already hard enough to find a job. So you're really trying to make it a double negative. Where he ends up right back where he came from, breaking probation. Y'all not? Y'all, I'm I'm hip to the game they trying to put. Won't be my kid. There's not. This is not a barter system. You won't take my child's black life for your for your American dollar. It just fucking won't happen. Not at all. Not at all. So I just comes down to us understanding one another, understanding that we need one another, and we get there. It's not a competition. We we don't want you at least, and I surround myself around black men that don't want black women to feel like they have to do everything on their own that they don't need no i need right. to understand we need you i, I don't give that what you talking about i need a black woman in my life that's exactly what i Period. need i need you to understand black woman that you need a black man in your life and together we're gonna get this family strong and we're gonna get to where we need to be together right together on one page um so yeah us understanding one another us understanding we need each other so what, before we leave, what is one of your B-Real bombs? Because I always ask somebody, what is that, like a life lesson or a mantra or something that you go by on a daily to get you through day through day or something you like to share? Oh, I We know you probably got like several in your Rolodex, but like we just need one, you know. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Uh, like, not the one, uh, the one earlier was me being a person I wish I had grown up, but outside of that, um, one thing that I live by every day that I have to constantly remind myself is um, everything I'm not is everything that I am. So I feel as though that how to best explain this. I, I don't gotta. You don't have to explain what's understood on me because I understood that whole no, thing perfectly. Not, not even that. It's, I was trying to, but I forgot you. You know you. You got the right following of people, so I don't. Have yeah, to I'm about to say you don't gotta break it down. They understand because I understood it. I'm like my my people are very intellectually sound. So like, I'm not, I'm not this thug. I'm not this, uh, you know, criminal. I'm not this abusive person. I'm not this insensitive person. I'm not this lack of empathy person. So everything that I'm not. Me, I'm that. I'm everything else. I am that. I am that empathetic person. I am that sensitive, caring person. I am that loving person. I am that hardworking person. Um, and as much as I love people and care people, at the same time, don't ever come and threaten anything that is mine. Because I'm, I'm, I'm also that protector. I'm also that provider, and I will gladly provide protection to anybody that I love and care about. And y'all can take that how you want. That. <laughs> There's nobody that's ever under my love and protection that would ever be hurt or um, disrespected ever in my presence. And I don't have to know you to protect you. Mm, that's real. And this is my brothers, but especially, especially this goes out to my sisters, my queens, my my, my women. My I don't. We can. I can be at a gas station. And let somebody think they're going to disrespect you in front of me? It's Hell. a no. He's been like that forever, guys. He's not. He's not talking smack. He's really. I've. I've witnessed it. 
So, it, yeah, it's everything I'm not is everything that I am. Well, Dion, this has been amazing. Like, I truly appreciate you coming on and just being you, dog. Like, real talk, yo. You just a real one, son. A real <laughs> yeah. one. Thank you for allowing me into. I know it's, it's really for your women, but you said it multiple times on your other episode, your queen space. Everybody's not worthy of coming in here. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that I'm one of the ones you do consider worthy. Um, your friendship, your sisterhood to me, uh, your love. Thank you. Like I was really in a dark place, and I can a hundred million percent say that yo, you really helped save me from a dark, Aww. dark place. That warms um, my heart. And 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 an appreciation or acknowledgement of suicide awareness love, and this probably be another talk conversation you and I can have. But most definitely, I was also. Uh, I survived, you know, a suicidal attempt, um, and I'm, and I feel as though that it was for a reason. Of know? course, that's always <laughs> it. Feel like it was for a reason, and I'm glad I wasn't successful. Me At too, because I probably would have been mad as hell. I probably would have talked to you, even though in the afterlife and probably cursed you the fuck out. I probably would have. Yeah, right, yeah. Because that's what I be doing with Shay all the time. I be cursing out Loki, and I know she be feeling it. Like, oh gosh, here she come. She want to talk to me? She about to curse me out today? Yeah, I am, because I know you hear me. Why you do that? But no. Tell the people where they can follow you and find you so they can, you know, tap in. Um, Instagram, Mr. 302. Uh, Twitter, Mr. 302. TikTok. Uh, okay, and Mr. 302. But um, on, it's Mr. 3 Okay. Um, on Twitter and TikTok, and then on Instagram, it's Mister Three, and then the letter O, and then the number two. Um, and then on Facebook is my name, Dion Inge, uh, D I O N I N G E S R. So I'm a senior. I got my young boy here. Okay, got the junior or whatever. Dion Inge senior. But yo, thank you. This was beautiful. It went better than I could even imagine. I was so excited. I can't wait to release it. Like, I'm ready. Like, oh, my God. The people going to be so like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm just ready. But I thank you, my brother. I love you so much. You already know I this, though. You. you already know what's up. And we got to we gotta make a connection. We got to get up soon. Like, we gotta, I got to plan a trip something. Like, it's it's got to give. Absolutely. And we're and we, and we going to. We're definitely going to. Yes. That was my boy, Dion. Glad y'all enjoyed him. Uh, I love my brother so much. Like, I just want to bring y'all a different conversation. Season 7, we here. As I always say on air, let's keep it real. And always remember, be real, be true, and always be unapologetically you. I'll check y'all later. Have a great week. Sun for your side, this and shine. shine.